0: Hi guys, thanks for tuning in to the Curious Mind of Griff podcast. Normally right here is where I'd be doing a live read for businesses. Uh, if anybody's interested in promoting your business or anything like that, please contact us on Twitter. Um, you can find us at mind of griff, or you can email us at with just the show's name, the Curious Griff, at gmail.com. So this is the first episode of the Curious Mind of Griff. Um our first guest is the one and only Mr. Colin Taylor. Uh, Colin is a beat writer for South Carolina Gamecock Sports with uh, the website GamecockCentral.com. Colin is my friend from college. Uh, we both graduated in the same class from South Carolina. Um, super nice dude. Genuine person. Uh, what you see and hear from him is what you get in real life. Uh, not too many people could say that. Uh, basically... Uh, I was talking to a mutual friend the other day and I referred to Colin as the overall goat. And you know, I, I'm, I'm serious when I say that he's just a great dude. Um, and on top of that, he's a great reporter. That's always pushing great content and, um, always working on neat stuff. Oh, a great, great interviewer. You know, every relationship that you seem to see Colin have with his professional life, it reflects those in his, in his personal life. Cause he's just a good dude. But, um, you know, I could sit here and talk for hours about how good of a guy and friend that he is, but um, without further ado, the great Mister Colin Taylor. Good times, good times. But what what uh what
1: got you into sports when you were yeah. when you were younger? Um, I don't know. I think I've always just done it. You know, same. It's one of those things where, like, you don't really understand why. It's just, it's so ingrained. I mean, hell, my dad played football up until about high school and then gave it up because he had a lot of injuries. Both my uncles played football growing, I mean, throughout high school and yeah. um, had a chance to go play college ball at a smaller, you know, not smaller, but SC State. Um, yeah. Offered. So um, they had opportunities. And I guess it was just so ingrained that, you know, I grew up going to football games. It just was kind of normal. Yeah. Yeah, that's kind of how I was, uh-huh. too. So are y'all
0: from here originally, or? Yeah.
1: So okay. I mean, well, my dad and his side of the family is from Michigan. Okay. But, I mean, they came down here when he was in, right before he started high school. So, do so- you know about the hand thing? Yeah, I okay. do the hand thing all the time. I had a friend
0: in the Air Force that claimed that he was from Michigan, but also claimed that he was from Kentucky, and he would get so mad whenever you would do the hand thing, like, where are you from? And then one time he was like, you know, you can quit being a jerk. I'm I'm from Kentucky. And so <laughs> I just went like that <laughs> and just turned my hand down, no, like, perpendicular. Yeah,
1: yeah he got yeah. pretty pissed. So we grew up going, I mean, he moved down here, and he's been in Columbia now for, or Irma, for... In this he was 13, 35 years thirty seven years um, and then my mom and obviously moved down here when um, they got married in ninety four but um, okay. yeah, so we grew up going to Carolina football games and a bunch of different stuff around here just because they played sports, and my dad went to Carolina and all that fun stuff so so when did you first think like about trying to make a living off of uh like talking about you know sports and that's a very good question. I mean, it was just one of those things where, so I played football and up until I was, you know, 14 years old. Um, had no interest. I hated running when I was younger. So I was like, no, I'm not good. I played B team or C team football in the eighth grade. And I was just like, nope, done. Like, that's, Ripping that's it. Ripping the foxes? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and I was like, yeah, no chance. I'm not going to play anymore.
0: Yeah, it's it's weird, like, when you hit that age where you just kind of like cuz every kid i think that's into sports when they're kids they dream of growing up to be like an athlete but then you hit that kind of age like for those of us that didn't weren't didn't weren't given the gifts from god i guess yeah. <laughs> like you hit that age where you're just like well maybe i got to figure out something to do that can make me eventually stay around this and I think maybe that's kind of what got me like into it a little bit as a kid, but like it's just I I think like you just kind of want to stay with it and yeah. you know it's you know it's a it's a you cool think,
1: thing yeah you think you're like oh I'm so big and I'm so bad and yeah like, all this stuff and then you know you played like pee wee football you <laughs> yeah know, for like some random place that like register and then you think you're big and bad there and then you go play even in middle school level, you can tell which guys are good and which ones aren't. Yeah. And you, I quickly found out I was the aren't group. Yeah. Um, And I just, I didn't feel, you know, I was, did not feel like running, hated running. Yeah. Um, And I'm like, listen, I'm not good. I'm not going to be a guy that's going to like I don't wanna run a mile or run two miles yes. and then stand on the sideline the entire game. Yeah. Like that's just not my that not my MO and I'd rather I would rather be having fun doing something than yeah. Sweating, you know, my you know what off, trying to, you know, get to some place where I could potentially have fun that I didn't even know if was if I was gonna have fun and uh I enjoyed riding. I thought I was good at it and just kinda of morphed into well, this allows me to stay close to sports and You know, it's the cliche, I wasn't good at it, but I wanted to be around it, and writing was how I was going to stay around it, and, uh, you know, that's kind of been since I was doing this 14, 15 years old. Yeah. Just, I mean, kind of what I wanted to do, and it maintained throughout college, and 25 now, and still
0: here. Yeah. So... And I think I think another reason that I kind of gravitated towards that way, and I didn't end up doing it as a career, but like I always kind of thought that it would give you kind of that open door look into things where you were kind of the gate, not the gatekeeper per se, like the power trip up. Like it's not like I was going through a power trip thinking I was writing about a team or something, but like you kind of got to see that side of things that people don't usually get to see, but they want to hear about. Right. And so, you know, I always thought that part of it was cool too. So like, is there a particular sport that you prefer covering or do you
1: like them all? I mean, there are some that I like more than others. I mean, I grew up loving football. Yeah. Um, So the fact that my first job out of college is covering an SEC football team is insane (laughs) to me. it's Uh, It's, and not just an SEC football team, but like the team that I grew up going to games for. Um, I don't consider myself a South Carolina fan just because you, you can't do yeah. this business, yeah. Um, but I mean, it's cool to you know. My dad went to Carolina. I went, you know, I went to Carolina, um, and to cover that's cool. But um, I've slowly morphed. Uh, football is such a big sport, and there's so many people that either think they can do it or try to do it. Yeah, um, I like. Basketball, I love covering basketball. I love covering baseball. Just because I mean, football gets so much coverage that it's so inundated. It's so non personal because there's so much coverage of it because you don't get to talk to guys one on one or um, just there's not a real personal touch to it unless you're a beat writer or someone that's you know around the team every day. Whereas basketball, baseball, the two sports that I'm kind of the lead for. I mean, it's you get to, you, you know these people by name. Um, yeah. You get to see them in non-press conference settings more often than you do maybe some football people. and um, They're so, not that football isn't, because football is gracious with their time, but these people, um, you know, a- appreciate the coverage a lot because you know, football gets so much coverage that they sometimes don't get. Yeah. Um, so when you cover them, you know, whether it's good, bad, and different, I mean, they're just... They're incredibly appreciative of the fact that... They're you' you're, you're there. Um, so, and, I mean, some of these smaller... Not smaller coaches, but coaches that maybe don't get as much media attention as others are, notice when you're there. Um, and that goes a long way in building a relationship and building some trust between you, know, you and a head coach or an assistant coach or a player, and it helps you in the long run.
0: Yeah, that's that's... I mean... I guess, too, like, you have to kind of go through the grind of those sports with the teams, too, and I'm sure that that helps. So, like, how do you – so, like, when – we'll take an example. Like, when Chad Holbrook was resigned – well, not I was about to say was fired, but he technically resigned, I believe, before he was fired uh, because he didn't get fired. He resigned. Um, No longer the head coach of the South. Yeah, yeah. I just – I didn't want to mess it up. But, like, so when he came – when he left and – like Mark Kingston came in, for example. Yeah. How do you go about taking that first step to try to build a relationship with like a new head coach like that?
1: Yeah, I mean, it helps when you're not in a pandemic setting. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that yeah. really helps just because, um, so when when Mark Kingston got the job, he got it in end of June, I want to say. Yeah, it was when, pretty late. Yeah, no. uh, I think end of June, beginning of July, somewhere in that range. And I, a couple of weeks later, had a sit-down interview with him at his office. Nice. Um, just to, typically with the new coach, you, every coach has, you know, you get to come in and talk with them and be with them in kind of their setting. And it's a way for them to meet you face-to-face. Um, you meet them and you ask them a couple questions and yeah, um, you talk for 20 minutes and then all of a sudden... Um, you know, once you're done, you kind of, you know, shoot the breeze and just, you know, talk about your life, your personal life and, you know, what he expects from coverage in terms of being fair and what you, your coverage that you bring and what you feel like you're good at and that's, that's what starts it and then that's, you, you know, you escalate from there where it's, there's some general trust if you ask a tough question at a press conference it's you know, he doesn't take it personally or if he gives you a short answer that, because, you know, because they just lost, say, you know, in a walk-off home run. Yeah. And he gives you a short answer when you ask about something. It's, you know, it's not personal either because you have a personal, not personal, but a professional relationship yeah. stuff knowing the other person instead of just, I'm covering you. I'm going to stay 10 feet away at all times. <laughs> yeah. You know, um, so that helps. Um, and when you get to know the assistants and the, the players and people around the program, whether that's you know, basketball, baseball, football, whatever, um, that helps you know your reputation whatever that might be circulates people you know if you know multiple people they talk and um you just hope that what one person thinks of you continues throughout um i guess that was a really rambly way to say it no no that's i yeah. understand and i guess you you'd have
0: to kind of take it like kind of person-by-person person basis too mm-hmm. you know like you just kind of have to learn what bu- people's buttons are and stuff because they value yeah yeah yeah, I, I, yeah that makes a lot of sense too like because you'll hear like i know you'll listen to some of those coaches availability and there's one reporter that i can think of in specific that uh i mean anytime this guy asks a question it's just like I, I kind of respect the guy, honestly, because I'm like, dude, that took some cojones to ask yeah. that question to this guy, you know, and they're, they're just, they just kind of let him have it. I yeah. bet, you know, they're like, I just don't feel like that would be a good relationship to have because you're not going to get any kind of right angle on anything. They're not going to
1: give you any, you know, they're going right. to be as short with you as possible because they don't... And, and that's the thing, too, is that you have to balance it. I mean, if, let's say with Will Muschamp, when things... Got sour with him, um, you know. You can't be sitting there in a press conference, you know. First of all, being like, "Oh, you had a really good offensive line play this week," you know, and, and being flowery, yeah. and, you know, very you know, optimistic when things aren't going well. And on the other hand, when things are going well with the team or whatever, you can't be overtly negative just all the time. Yeah, so there has to be some balance. When yeah, things are going well. You. That's good things and same when they're not. You know, you you find the balance. You can't be the term we use is sunshine pumping. You can't just yeah. be like everything's great all the time, all everywhere. Yeah. And then you can't, you know, when things are going well, you can't be like the sky's falling, you know. Yeah. They've lost like you know, if a team's, you know, like say Alabama where, you know, maybe they lose a game or, or something in football. You couldn't be like, well, sky's falling. I lost one game to a ranked Auburn team, or like, lost one game to a ranked LSU team. Like dynasty's over. Yeah, some, you know, <laughs> sometimes people lose, and sometimes you know, you point out like, you know, South Carolina got blown out by Missouri the other night. And yeah, in basketball. It's like, you know, do you think they're a bad team? Maybe, maybe not. But you know, at some point, I, I think this year's team's good. But they got bad guard play. They were coming off back to back road trips. They've been ravaged with COVID. Yeah, you know people look at it as an excuse, um, but you know it's not. And then you have to ask tough questions afterwards, and it goes back to having a personal relationship—not personal, but a strong professional relationship with a head coach or player, to where they understand that, and most coaches do. They understand yeah. you're doing your job. Like, yeah, it's not. You know, there's very few people in the world or in the, on the beat that are just out to get somebody. Um, they're just trying to do their job to the best of their abilities and call a spade a spade. Yeah. And the coaches that I understand it are the ones most people get along with. Yeah. I think that one reporter that I was talking about, he's out there. Dumb. Yeah. There's, there's a few, I mean, there's, <laughs> and, and there's some people that have access to grind and you know, you deal with it. But for the most part, I mean, almost everybody on that beat, um, There's no hidden agendas. It's just, listen, we're here to do our jobs. Yeah. We enjoy covering it, but we can't, you know, we're not here to be the team's PR department and we're not here to be the FBI and investigate them, you know, do our jobs.
0: You're just, you're there to kind of collect a sense of, so, so how do you, like, when things are going like kind of sideways at South Carolina, like, what do you think happened there with that season? which one uh, the the 2021 like this this past year like what what do you think i, I mean i know it's that's a complex question because there's yeah. so many factors but what do you i guess the the theme what do you think that he i'm I, a lot of my south carolina friends were asking me this as what do you think was the problem with
1: the culture there i think it was it, it was being sold as triple a that South Carolina was AAA baseball, essentially. Come here for two years, three years. Yeah. uh, We'll get you into the league. Um, And so when that happens, most guys in AAA take AAA as a pit stop. You know, this is not – I don't necessarily want to be here, but this is the next step in my end goal. Um, So maybe, you know, guys don't necessarily – care is not the right word because I think they care. Yeah, But it's not, you know – as important as it could be, or you know, the sense of you know, Shane Beamer's even talking now about gratitude. You know, you don't know if the same gratitude is there for being in South Carolina, and then that matriculates down. Um, yeah. That, that slowly trickles into you know, if you lose, then it's not a big deal. You know, the next step's the league. Just just skip to the league, and um, it didn't help that they've had poor recruiting. That um, receiver you know, receiver position was bad. They couldn't pass block and. There were some places devoid of talent, um, some places that struggled with depth. And when you mix all of that together. It's like the perfect storm. Yeah, it's just, I mean, Mondale yeah. cocktail that explodes. And I mean, you saw what happened where, you know, they lose their final, I guess, six games of the year. Um, well, Mustamp gets fired. Three coaches. Sign contracts to stay on to South oh, Carolina and then leave, and I mean, is it's, so it's. I mean, you see, that was the, bad yeah, I mean, you see the the perfect storm that that ensues because of that. So um, yeah, it can be frustrating, and yeah, that was that 2020 season.
0: Yeah, it was. I mean, it was just it was like they would get, and I I personally I I really like Muschamp as a guy. I think yeah, he's yeah. a straight shooting guy, like. I know he had to play a little bit of games with you guys, like with injury reports and stuff like that. Yeah, that was the only frustrating part I really had. Yeah. But at the same time, too, he's also, you know, gets paid a lot of money to commit himself to shielding, you know, those guys and protecting them because those are basically his children. And, I mean, if you talk to any of the players on the team, like all you ever heard was about how much respect they had for him. So – and you didn't hear about any – what what's going on in Knoxville right now is not going on in, in Columbia, no. which is nice because if you want to talk about a dumpster fire, that that situation could have been handled better. A little bit, yeah, just, just a little tad, bit. Just a tad. They should have gone with Wendy's, honestly. Yeah. But that's just yeah, that was kind of a poor joke. But like <laughs> they <laughs> like, and I think that that's kind of. That kind of happens everywhere, whether we like to admit it or not. And that's why I think that the NCAA, I, I have a whole other yeah. list of thoughts with them. But, you know, I, I think that...
1: I, I don't know what's going to happen up in Knoxville, man. Like, I will say that I really enjoy... I like their AD hire. They yeah. Hire the UC, guy from UCF, and I think yeah. they should make it higher. The programs that do well tend to have very few cooks in the kitchen. Yeah. That you have an AD, his support staff, and then you don't let a lot of people meddle outside of that. Just in terms of hires. I mean, you saw it at Auburn where you had a bunch of donors (sighs) that, you know, tried to put their guy in there. And mine talks. Yeah, that's the thing is that, I mean, you have a lot of people at every school who give a lot of money. Yeah. Big money donors that think because they give money, they have a say in what happens and all that, which to a degree they do, but you know, at some point it becomes the AD's job to hire and yeah. hire and do all that. So um, yeah, the no f- the f- fewer cooks in the kitchen the better sometimes when it comes to coaching searches. Which I give South Carolina credit for. They did a very good job. Yeah, I think they this, did this this year, um, kind of maintaining, you know, it was like a three person search committee. That, see, that's that, legit, I think. That you just have, you know, and you have three people that can bounce ideas off each other instead of three people that have to go here to get these people's ideas to take it back to this person just to create this weird web. And, yeah, it's like um, bureaucratic almost. Yeah, like and it's, whereas ugh. it's like, you know, these are the, the you know three to five people that are handling the search. These are the people that, you know, are going to be making the decision instead of just, you know, a, an entire board of trustees or entire booster base or something like that. So what was speaking
0: of this coaching search, this past one? What was the craziest rumor that you think you've heard? I heard some outlandish ones, man. I heard that Bud Foster was coming out of yeah, retirement. Pull, yeah, they're gonna pull. As,
1: they're uh, gonna pull Bud Foster
0: um, fishing on a
1: boat somewhere. Yeah, like, like Bud, you know, Bud did his time. Yeah, <laughs> like, he's uh, he's good. I think that goodness. I mean, just same uh, with Ellis. Everybody that kept
0: throwing Ellis Johnson's name out there, I'm just like, I think yeah. Ellis is good. Yeah. I think I, Ellis absolutely. is sitting on a lake somewhere, drinking a beer and...
1: Fishing and Loving being life. Yeah. yeah. Um I'm trying to think. It all happened so quick. I mean, like... It was. It was like a... It was like a, a whirlwind uh, week. The, like, Scott Satterfield stuff. Oh, yeah. Like, where, you know, his name... I mean, his name was connected. And then, he pulls his name out yeah of, he's still know, interviewing yeah yeah he, i'm not interviewing but then interviews again and then he completely botched the response to it And um it's a weird line that these coaches have to walk like
0: because they're trying i mean they're obviously trying to look out for themselves you know yeah. like as I mean, anybody any yeah. man's gonna look out for themselves and how they take care of their family but like it's such a weird PR like image that they have to keep. And honestly, just the guys that are just the straight shooters about it seem to win this battle every time.
1: And that's the thing too, is that like, you know, the, you all, it's all about recruiting. Yeah. You know, it's all about like, you know, Scott Satterfield put out there publicly, Hey, um, Interviewing for the South Carolina job or Shane Beamer put that out there, pub- you know, not Shane Beamer necessarily cause he was an assistant, but yeah, Billy Napier. Um, yeah. And kills. Yeah. And he's like, well now you have every coach in America that can recruit against you because it's like, well, you know, not be here right yeah, he's, you know, he's trying to move up. He's You know, can you really recruit? Can you really commit to him and think he's going to be there all four years? You're there. Um, Stuff like that, so it's all back channels with agents and ADs and stuff, so, and then coaches, like, you know, I mean, Scott Satterfield's one of those guys where you pull your name out of contention and say, you know, I'm returning to my school knowing full well you didn't get the job that, make it, that makes it look like, yeah, you know, I'm committed to Louisville and, you know, same with Billy Napier, who's coming back to Louisiana Lafayette situation. Oh, is not it just Louisiana now? Is it? I think it is. Just I th- Coming um, back to Louisiana. It's worth a Google. It's worth of where, Google. Where you literally... I got in, corrected on this. Uh, recently. Recently, yes. To the point of Billy Napier having a, It's all politics because, you know, Billy Napier then you know, pulled his name out of the... uh thing and all of a sudden, boom, Shane Beamer gets hired. Uh, University like, of Louisiana at Lafayette. See? <laughs> at Lafayette. At Lafayette, uh, <laughs> but you know, Billy yeah. Napier literally pulls his name out, and 15 minutes later, Shane Beamer gets hired. Like that was, yeah, that was crazy because like, that Bo- was Bo- after Bo- what Kentucky, is Kentucky. like Mike Bob was in his. I remember it specifically Mike Bob was in his post game press conference after the Kentucky game, and Shane Beamer's hired, hired, pretty much. Like it's it's trickling out there on social media that Shane Beamer's the next head coach. That's that's crazy.
0: Like. And another rumor, another just crazy rumor that like, and like when you're a fan, like you can, you can read this stuff and like you can, if if you're like, you can learn how to read between the lines and especially, and another thing that's so funny and I'll bring this up in a second, but like another rumor that I heard was that Ray Tanner was going to the Kentucky game. Mark Stoops was the head coach of Kentucky and still is. And uh, that Ray Tanner was going up there to meet with Mark Stoops' brother, Bob Stoops, to come be the head coach at South Carolina. I'm like, dude, that just—I no. mean, no. Why?
1: They're already further, and they were already again, yeah, further along, and people were trying to pick up like, you know,
0: footprints on the trail, and they were already done with with yeah. the search. I mean, and I think ultimately, I think they made a great choice. I think that you got to bring somebody that has. It, Beamer's unique in his situation with South Carolina, as he he wants to be here. Yeah, and he's not. And that was one thing that I was worried about Muschamp. I was like, man, even if Muschamp, you know, brings us back, bring I shouldn't say us, it brings Carolina back to prominence. Like he, maybe he jumps ship to go to another job. Yeah, eventually, and that's what one of my good friends that's not a Carolina fan said. But. Unfortunately, we didn't get to see that, but...
1: And that's the thing, is I think that it, it helps. I mean, listen, Gamecock Central is my dream job. Like, I grew up reading the state newspaper and reading Gamecock Central. Those yeah. were, like, two things I read growing up. And, like, this was, you know, I did, I never dreamed about, well, I want to work for, you know, ESPN was obviously, like, this, you know, Every kid wants to work at yeah. But I mean, I grew up reading local and news from Gamecock Central and the State. And so this what I'm doing now is a dream job. It's yeah. an absolute dream job of mine. The fact that I'm covering South Carolina athletics for a site that I grew up reading. Yeah, that's pretty much like cute. my entire life. Like this is something, you know, uh and so But the bigger point is, you know, I care a lot about what I'm doing. Yeah. So I'm working harder to be better at it, to make Gamecock Central better than when I started. Better than when I got here. Oh, yeah. And leave it in a better place if I ever leave. Well, that's like, you know, that's a perfect
0: attitude to have. Because you want to do that going into any, really any job you have, whether it be journalism or... Right. You know, that's just, that's the right attitude and, to have. And when
1: it's your dream job, when this is something you've been pining for, I mean, I was 10 years old reading this thing. And, yeah. You know, this, when it's something like that, you care so much about it. You want it to be great. Not yeah. personally, somewhat personally, because you want it to be a part of why yeah. it's gr- great, but just in, in all, holistically speaking. And I think that's what Shane Beamer is. Yeah. Now he wants to be here. He's working his butt off to make sure it's good. It's going to be good, or at least respectable, or at least something people can be proud of. Do I know if it's going to work? I have no idea. Yeah, and and let's be honest here, no one does. Yeah, because it's January and the season, the the national championships, two weeks old at this point, a week old at this point. Um, then. You just don't know. You don't win games in January. No. There are things that he's done well so far, and there are things that I think even Shane would say, I wish I didn't do it this way. Um, And he's admitted that. So do I know if it's going to work? No. I have no idea if it's going to work. But I think a lot of South Carolina fans, if it's not going to work, would rather have a guy in here that... Busted of his ass day in and day out to try to make it work uh, yep. and I think that's what Shane is
0: and I think too is is that they I think that they'll appreciate that they have somebody that wants to yeah. be here and, and that's, that's such an important factor into it too yeah I mean it's it's just and it's it, South Carolina's come off a rough patch here like yeah. with football I mean
1: you go from the highest to highest kind of yeah and you bottom out at the end of the Spurrier era and yeah I give Will Muschamp a lot of credit. I mean, I don't think, I think a lot of people were so soured on him. Yeah. By the end of, or by the middle of this season where it was just, you weren't winning, you weren't looking good doing it. Uh, It was just bad. I think he came in, Spurrier took his foot off the pedal. I mean, I think everyone can see that. Yeah. That the recruiting department was just, bare bones um there's nothing about recruiting to south carolina that was generally attractive whereas in terms of just facilities uh getting, that that was getting better when he was there with the new indoor and all this stuff and you will must did so much so quickly to make an impact i mean um uh, he presided over the ops building getting built I mean, the new indoor facility came around either right before he took over, right after he took over. That thing's insane. Yeah, man. and those both of those things are. I mean, state of the art. They're great. Yeah. Um, easy recruiting tools, but he beefed up the recruiting department. He beefed up, you know, the all the videos people up that visual media department, the graphics the, the uh, for recruiting. Media yeah, stuff. the social media stuff was so big. Now. He yeah, he took that to the level it needed to be, if not greater than that, um, the stuff that Spurrier never, he played catch up so quickly to the other teams in the SEC that it appeared that South Carolina was making progress and it was, yeah. South Carolina was absolutely making progress, but you got to remember South Carolina started 50 feet behind everybody else. Yeah. point Where it was like, you know, we just sprinted 50 yards, um, to catch up to everybody, now it's time to utilize that to get ahead, and they just could never get ahead. Whether that's recruiting, whether that's you know missing out on schematic stuff or whatever, they just never did. And then they, uh, you can look at some of the staff hires he made. With, Brian McClinton obviously was not, the best offensive coordinator. Um, he just, had his moments though, which yeah. was so
0: weird. And I was gonna ask you, do do you think that he ever got in the way of
1: I mean that's what that's what you see all over the message boards. And well, the frustrating thing about BMAC was I think that you saw the potential there. You know, yeah. I mean, obviously think about that Clemson game. You yeah, know? I mean, let's be honest here. That he didn't really have to do a whole lot his first year when you had yeah. Jake Bentley, who for all his the, the the stuff people pile on him about was a very serviceable quarterback. Oh yeah, um, at the college level, I mean he. He wasn't a guy that was gonna like go out there and put up 500 yards like he did against Clemson every week. But yeah, but he serviceable. Was... He gives you a chance to win on every uh, any given Saturday. Yeah. Um. Then Debo Samuel, Damn, just a freak, second round pick. Yeah, Brian Edwards, I, I think a second round pick or third round. Pick third round. I, one one. third yeah. round, I think third round. Um. I think Hay- Hayden Hurst was not part of that. Was he? No, he no, went he went he was out in the twenty seventeen yeah. year. Yep. So yeah, Correct. Jake Bentley, Debo Samuel, Brian Edwards, Shy Smith. Shy. Rico Dowdle, who is on a roster now with the Dallas Cowboys. Um, an offensive line that included Zach Bailey, who's on an NFL practice squad right now, Sidarius Hutcherson, who's gonna be drafted in the NFL draft this year, uh, Kyle Markaway who just signed a new contract with the Browns. Um, you had talent on that offense. Oh, yeah. That, and it's not like you had to sit there and do a whole bunch of stuff for it, which is why South Carolina was so good offensively. Yeah, um, because they had talent, and, and, and I, the and defense then, just that yeah, just they had just so many injuries, decimated. And, yeah, and, and um, that's going to be one of the biggest what ifs of the one last take bear. What is what does it look like right now? If that team had a good defense. And yeah, so, so many injuries. I mean, um, then. To second year, obviously Jake hurts his foot. Yeah. In week one. Was that? That was. That was the North Carolina year.
0: That was, yeah, the North Carolina. That was year three, I think, wasn't it? It was year four. Year four, yeah. yeah year
1: three was. Yeah. They went seven and six in year three. Yeah. Uh, yep. You're right. And then year four, Jake Finley breaks his foot.
0: And that was literally the in the
1: first week. week. And. Anytime you have to start a true freshman quarterback in the SEC, yeah, things typically don't go well. He showed
0: promise at the beginning,
1: yeah. but he just he wasn't right after the Alabama game. I don't think. Yeah, he came out the gate fire, and then he had the knee injuries that hurt him so much. And, yeah. Um, obviously, you know you can argue all you want to this year if you got a fair shake or not, um, but none of us are really ever yeah, hear that, and, and that's the thing and. Yeah, so BMAC, that was the biggest, you know, knowing how important that hire was for Will Champ because he, that was his stigma attached to him. Yeah. Every, I mean, wherever he went was the offense. Um, he probably needed to go hire someone more high profile yeah. than Brian McClendon. I mean, you can look back and revision his history, but... Uh, and then... BMAC just struggled to recruit and develop wide receivers. I mean, you see the room it's that tough. they left with now, and yeah, um, you know, with Shai Smith being really the only guy that they could depend on consistently, and you had a four star receiver in Josh Van that's not lived up to his potential yet, uh, has shown flashes, yeah, um, but has never lived up to potential. Trey Smith's been banged up, um, so you, you know, on paper, it looks like a great wide right receiver room, but there just hasn't been a lot of production there. Yeah. Um so that's that was the biggest issue with the one plus Bears is that you look at some of the staffing hires he made and all of a sudden, you know, you look up two years after that and you're struggling offensively because of the some of the staffing hires you made. Yeah, I
0: agree I agree with that. Yeah. And, you know, like the the first year he had uh Kurt Roper as the offensive coordinator and it was like um I, I remember somebody, I, I think it might have been Hayden Hurst talking about how they practice these, uh, these like home run plays every week and then they just wouldn't go and run the, they just wouldn't ever run them. Yeah. And it's like, you know. Why are we practicing them? Yeah. We don't run them. So weird. But yeah, I got to actually take a whiz
1: real quick. Do you think? <laughs> so, no.
0: yeah, I, I can't, I can't do the pouches, but yeah. Um, yeah, like I just, it's never been for me. No. If you're going to do it, do it right. You know? Yeah. Yeah. So um so what is it like like when you're trying to develop a relationship with like rec- like I know you cover a lot of recruiting. Yeah. How do you have to do that a little bit differently than you would normally or
1: during a pandemic? Yeah, yeah, during I a pandemic. Yeah, it's a little bit different during a pandemic. Um recruiting takes some getting used to. You need to know how the how it works, how the business side of it works where it's you know, the people to know, um, it's not just a recruit. I mean, you need to know the family, the high school coach, these people, you know, the people that are close to him or him, because those people he's going to lean on to make a decision. And those are the people that you can help get information from. And I mean, they're great people. Most of the, the people you meet are great. So it's just different. It's a different environment. Man. Yeah. It's, I mean, this is, it's so different than college athletics because these guys, they're high school athletes. They, they understand, or junior college athletes or something along those lines where, I mean, they understand that they're getting recruited. It's a different game than once you're at South Carolina um, or a college. So it's weird. It's, it's something that I wasn't fond of early. I mean, it was just something that was part of the job. Yeah. Uh, but the more you do it, the more you realize the the types of people you get to meet um, and the types of families you get to meet. And that really does – makes a lot of it worth it. Yeah. Because you know, they're you know, good people.
0: Yeah. Um, and a lot of people I, – I imagine a lot of people want to talk to you too. Yeah. and Like are pretty know, cool about it. Yeah, it's it's great
1: because, you know, you, you show up to a sporting event you're like, listen to media and they let you ride in and you get to talk to all these – Great high school coaches, number one in the state of South Carolina. Number two, you know, um, just uh, these cool high school athletes who are, you know, top, you know, some of them are top 50 in the country. Some of them are, you know, things like that. And it's cool to get to be around them and and kind of follow and and be not a part of the process because you're not part of the process with them, but you can just kind of be there. Yeah, you get to be there for it. So, like, I mean, you meet these. I met Trey Hannibal, who was yeah know, south carolina you know he's he's at South Carolina now. I mean I met him in when he was in this early his junior year of high school, oh really, and you know you you develop a relationship and uh we talked about trust when you know these when you've known these players for two three four years sometimes um there's that trust factor there with it. Yeah, and they kind of know what to expect out of you. Yeah. and what you're gonna say. Yeah, and, yeah. So that helps, and and recruiting's been fun. Uh, I've got more into it since the pandemic began. Yeah. Um. Just because people want to read about it, and that's what, yeah, for a very long time that was the only thing going on. Oh um, yeah. So you better be good at it, and that's it. That's helped me. This pandemic's actually helped me a lot with recruiting, just because you have to learn how to do it and learn. You know, there's not going to be a media availability every week. Yeah, with Will Muschamp, you know, or you know Frank Martin. You have to be able to go out and get stories and find information that's not in press conferences or something along those lines. So, so what? How
0: I guess what I'm saying is, how how did you uh, how did you like fill that that time without sports
1: because it was so long? A lot of recruiting. Yeah, Um, a lot of just. Not filler stories, but analytical pieces. Going yeah. Going and looking at stuff and, you know. Um. Well, you did some really cool ones with, uh,
0: like, I'm trying to remember. You did the the Excel, I know, like spreadsheet of the, you yeah. went into some crazy stats there on one. And I was just like, man, Colin must be.
1: Bored? Yeah. <laughs> Bored? Uh, yeah. No, Excel's my best friend. I have like yeah, 400 so nice. Excel sheets. Yeah. Um, it is awesome. Different stuff. Just stats that I keep You do so going. much with it. Yeah. Oh, it's great. Um, but it, a lot of statistical analytical pieces, a lot of feature stories, a lot of interviews with just former players, athletes, etc. Um, trying to just fill time. And yeah. And it, it didn't slow down because they. Had, I mean, recruiting was still going on, so you still had to deal with that. Um, then it was, will they play? Won't they play? And you're covering that. And now and that, that madness. Yeah. So for I mean, it was a couple months of trying to figure stuff out on that end. And yeah, you know, you're just sitting there hoping as the election comes closer in
0: 2020 that you're not going to have to write about politics yeah. or anything like that. The,
1: the weird part about 2020 is I forgot for long stretches that there was, it was an election year. Yeah. You'll look up. I mean, you're so focused on not getting COVID and, and making sure your family's safe and making yeah. sure all this stuff um, that you're living as safe a life as you can possibly live. And you look up and you're like, Holy crap! We're you know three months out from an election. You know the Democratic National Convention or the Republican National Convention is coming on in you know two weeks. Yeah, and you forget, and then you you think
0: about having to go vote and try to do that. Yeah, and this year was I don't like to talk about who I who I vote for, but like I I just had such a tough time because I. You know, it's just so, divi- everything you see now is so divisive. Yeah, you have to be on one side or another, and there's and no I middle ground. And I just hate that.
1: And there's no middle ground. Yeah, and
0: I hate identi- identity politics like that, right. like because I feel like, you know, the, the thing that makes, and the, I'm not going to get off on a political rant, but like, the thing that makes America great is everybody's individualities, individualities, individual traits and uniqueness, kind of like, you know, you get the best view it's a gray area yeah america's a gray area yeah that
1: you know you're you're allowed to blend my dad always gives great advice with politics where it's like i would be afraid if i agreed with everything a politician said exactly whether that's trump or biden or whoever yeah you align with you know if it's if he's saying something and you're like, I agree with literally everything he said, you need to be worried. Yeah. Just because, I mean, that's not you want, life. Yeah, and you want debate and compromise. Yeah. And and you you don't have to agree with everything that if you yeah, voted for Joe Biden, you can look at all of the things that he stands for and say, listen, I agree with this. You, you, you look at both of what they agree with. And you rattle off and you say, I agree with that. I don't agree with this. I agree with that and then at the bottom of the list you go I agreed with 75% of what candidate X said I agreed with 25% of, or 35% of what candidate B said so I'm going to go so yeah. yeah or you know 60 60% 50% then you vote for who you agree with the most yeah and who you feel like is a better leader and then that's it but no now it's you know I, you have to agree with this person and if you but then if you agree with this person you agree with everything he does and, and the allowing, radical yeah, people that, and that align with him. Yeah, that. No, that's not really how it works. Yeah. There's, you're allowed to be in the middle. You're, there's a, yeah. you're allowed to have a middle ground. And yeah. I don't think just, a lot of people see that
0: right now. Yeah, I just think that, yeah, it was just the divisiveness of it all was really just worrisome. Disheartening, me. yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, you see people, like, I, I would see people that I grew up with and, you know, Chapin, before it got to be this the, this, the next Irmo really mm-hmm. um it was this small town you know that we grew up in like when I was when I was coming through when I hell when I was a freshman at Chicken High School it was a 2A school yeah and now it's it's a 5A school and it's just like I wasn't in high school that I mean it was kind of long ago yeah <laughs> I'm an old man but We're yeah old. yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah but uh So, how how old were you, do you think, when when I got that plaque? Let's see. I got this in August of 2009. Where were you at in August of 2009?
1: That was my freshman year of high school.
0: Okay. So, when you were a freshman in high school, I got that. (laughs) And the only reason that I got a plaque nearly that big, I was an airman first class. So, that's like nothing in the Air Force. It's like an E3. It would be like a private first class in the Army. Yeah. And uh, they went and got a master sergeant that, was, that had gotten there and was leaving. So, when you get to Korea in the Air Force, is exactly a year long tour. Right. It's, it's considered a permanent duty station, but you're there for exactly a year and then you choose your follow on base, which I was lucky enough to get Charleston. But uh, so, like, they were getting the master sergeant his going away present. And I guess they realized that they forgot to get me one. <laughs> and so they got me the one that was, they just said, we'll just double it up. Yeah. And then like, so yeah, I got big this massive massive. Massive. yeah, see, I should have gotten one that like that. That's the one I got when I left Pope.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: And it, I like, honestly, I really like that Korean one because it's kind of cool. But like the Pope one has more sentimental value to me because right. it's got the squirrel on the treadmill. I respect it. Yeah. And that was the, uh, the squadron patch up above it. I put it up there cause I found it. We were the Cobras. So, oh, that's even cooler. Yeah, and our commander was
1: technically the Cobra Commander. Yeah, dude, you, you have to call him Cobra Commander. Uh, well,
0: he was a major, so we had to uh, call him sir, usually. But, <laughs> uh, oh, interrupted. But yeah, he was, he was, I, I'm trying to remember that guy's name, man. Um, major.
1: Cobra, yeah.
0: Yeah, Cobra Commander, man. Destra. <laughs> no, but he, uh, dude, he, like, when he got mad, he would kind of talk like him.
1: Really? And it was
0: kind of weird, yeah. Like, I remember one time this kid got a DUI, and, like, so we came, we pulled up to PT, um, physical, so our little workout for people that don't know what PT is. Um, and he, like, well, no, they did a recall. That's what it was. So, like, in the military, well, at least the Air Force, when you first get to a base, like your your first flight, they give you this recall roster and you got to get put on the roster, but it's basically, it's like the rank structure of that flight going from the top to the bottom and basically the top person calls, you know, like the four people below him and they in turn call the people below them that calls the people below, you know, it's just yeah. like a, you know, and it's basically like a, usually it's just a test, but it's basically... Like, they did do it after somebody gets a DUI or gets in real big trouble. Like, when they want everybody to either show up in their blues. Like, I had to... One time, I had a troop that I was in charge of get arrested. Uh, While... So, they used to give half the shop the week of Christmas off. And the other half would get the week of New Year's. But it wasn't considered leave. So, you'd have to come back that Wednesday in the middle of the week to sign in, pretty much. And I got a phone call on a Tuesday of my week off and said that I had to come and report to base because my troop had gotten arrested. <laughs> so I was like sitting there in Chapin. I had to go and drive two hours to basically get yelled at by three people right, and then drive back home. And it was awesome. Yeah, it was fantastic. Yeah. He he got in trouble for uh, his his wife tried his wife didn't try his wife hit him, uh, and he tried to like restrain her I guess and <laughs> she called the cops on him yeah it was, it was, it was a mess it was yeah a mess. well and that kid he I mean it you have this weird thing in the military where like people just get married just to get married yeah and it's like so like the lower ranking airmen like. They have to live on base, yeah. but then that so they'll marry each other just so they can move off base, right. and it never works. Or, or they'll you know after basic training, you're going you're in this training setting like this, this simula. It's it's supposed to be it's supposed to stress you out, right? And in the Air Force they try to go more towards the mental side, whereas like the Marines and the Army they're trying to make you more in shape. I guess yeah. really on the Marine side, but like they really have to drill things into you, like how to shoot the M16 real well and stuff like that. Whereas the Air Force, they're trying to get you as stressed out as possible and to solve as many mental problems as you can while you're stressed out, basically, if that makes any sense. So like, uh, you're coming off this, like, now it's eight weeks. Then it was six and a half weeks. I got to stay for eight and a half weeks because I'm an idiot. Um, And I failed an inspection somehow. It's, I got sent back two weeks in basic training. So good. that was that was fun. But yeah, like so it was uh it was a good time. But in tech school, so when you go to do your training, a lot of these like girls and guys, they're coming out of basic training. And so like they think that they fall in love with each other. Well they've just
1: been just been around each other. Yeah,
0: yeah, like literally, like they're just young people that haven't been around members of the opposite sex for about yeah. two months. And so they'll get married and go to their first base together and about two weeks later they'll, you know, get a divorce. Yeah. Cause <laughs> very rarely does that work out. But yeah, they call them tech school marriages. I respect it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But yeah, that was, uh, that was always fun. Yeah, he, uh, that troop, he gave me some fun times. <laughs> I have a troop now that, uh, one of my, my first troops, I was looking at his, uh, he posted something the other day. He's a, master sergeant now has a line number for master sergeant yeah and i'm just like amazed at that like man i felt like you know this kid was like an a1c when i was like mentoring him and now he's about to be like a you know the, the highest higher-ups. tier yeah. of ncos you know
1: yeah.
0: like that's crazy man it's, it's weird to think that
1: you had that impact
0: on him yeah i did i think a little bit yeah. because i told him that he had to study <laughs> Yeah. Like, that's the biggest thing in the military. If you want to make rank, just study. Yeah. Like, the Air Force specifically. Like, it's... A lot of mental stuff. You, well, it's just tests. It's yeah. standardized tests. That's all it is. Right. Like, it's... Not the... If you're good at testing, then you can make rank really, right. really fast. Like, you just got to get... So, like, you have, like, the first few ranks are effort ranks. Basically, you have to have time and service to get those first four ranks. hmm and then the fifth one, as long as you get good performance evaluations, if you test well, you yeah. can make it. You can make staff real easy in the first yeah. time. And that, that's how I was. I, I made it my first time testing. and yeah. But that you'll always have those people when you make it that first time testing that are on like their third or fourth time testing. Like, oh, well, you made it in the great staff giveaway. Because right. it was like, I got it. It was like a 36% promotion rate, I think, which was right. really, really, really high. And everybody would always be like, Well, you got it during the great staff giveaway of like, well, 2010. Sounds like somebody's mad that they didn't make staff sergeant. Right. But yeah. Um so like you go to these little towns to get back to the recruiting thing. Yes. This that was a crazy tangent. But you say so what's the what's one of the weirdest places that covering recruiting has taken you? Like small places, you think? I mean, or like a place maybe that you didn't even realize was there. <laughs> I always love hearing about these little towns that people just have no clue like where they're
1: at. The ones that are weird, like it didn't happen in recruiting, it happened with an internship I had in school. Oh yeah. Uh, I interned for the Sumter item, which is obviously the paper out in Sumter, South yeah. Carolina. And I lived in Columbia. This was between my sophomore and junior year of college. And I lived in Columbia and commuted five days a week to Sumter, which is about an hour 15. Yeah. I could do it in an hour 10. Yeah. one or two, hour five. Um, you can probably do it in about an hour. Yeah. Really. <laughs> yeah. If, I was, to... if I woke up late, I could do it in an hour easy. Yeah. burn down yeah. 378 per Yeah. yeah. Um, and the weirdest part, so I did that and then my lease ran out. So for about two weeks, I commuted from Irma, living with oh. my parents. Which adds about 20 minutes to your commute yeah. because you're having to hit more highway, your yeah. interstate. So, you get off the interstate and you're snaking through back roads for a lot. So, I saw like Lone Star, South Carolina. Yeah, um, all the little Sumter towns. Yeah, yeah. so that was my introduction to backwoods South Carolina where... Oh, really? Yeah. So,
0: you never really been to like any... Like real, we mean, I mean, Hartsville was yeah. The Hartsville, there's no good way to get
1: to Hartsville. Yeah, there, I mean, that was the smallest um, place I've been to to, to cover recruiting. Um, which they're actually a pretty big high school out there. Yeah, which was, is weird. Yeah, and the the one that was the funniest was it wasn't in, it was in the northeast, so South Carolina played, um, UMass last year. It was a wild week. They played UMass in Amherst, Massachusetts. Hmm. And uh, so a couple days before, I mean, it was just this absolute snowstorm, massive snowstorm. I'm flying up there, uh, flying into Boston. So I'm going Columbia to D.C. to Boston. Okay. Was the, the flight. We get this is a long way to tell you I was just up in the Northeast, but you my flight ended up getting canceled. Um, I had to fly, find another flight, get up there. But I stayed for a few days after the game to do some stories, uh, work, do a couple interviews, uh, up in the Northeast. And one was with the head coach. He was a head coach in, at the time, Maine, but he was in New Hampshire when I interviewed him. Um, Everything's so close up there. Oh, it's insane. It's weird. It's yeah. insane how close everything is. Um, I'll have a story for that after. But <laughs> uh, I go up to Meridian, New Hampshire, for a couple hours. Um, it's about a two-hour drive from Amherst, where I was staying. Drive up to Meridian, New New Hampshire. It is the smallest little alcove <laughs> of New Hampshire. I've I mean I've ever seen. And I mean this was my first trip up meridian uh just like prime meridian yeah uh yeah, mid- there it is middle of nowhere I mean just uh I pull in so I'm a couple minutes I'm about I'm trying to think I'm about 20 minutes early for this interview I had scheduled wow you yeah. are not lying dude. Yeah, middle of nowhere It's it's literally in the
0: middle of nowhere yeah Like, if you look at a map of New Hampshire and put your finger slap dead in the map and slide it down maybe a centimeter, not even a centimeter, a millimeter, that your finger will be on already in It's middle of
1: nowhere, yeah. It's right on the Vermont border. So did you have, you rented, like, a car and and drove? (laughs) Another funny story. So I'm sprinting. I had a, we were allowed into practice the night before the game, which when I was getting up there, my flight was canceled, but. Um, sprinting through the Providence airport as I, because I had to reroute. <laughs> I've my been flight. there before, and it's yeah. not a big airport. No, <laughs> I had to. Re- that it, it was a whole day, um, reroute through all of it, um, and I, I end up getting to the a car place, and I was like, anything, you have. I need yeah. you to get first. About an hour forty five drive up there. They were like, the only thing we got. And I was like, and, and there's snow all over the ground. So yeah. So I need something with four-wheel drive. Like, yeah, I need something bad. that if I get snuck in the snow, I can get out of the snow. Yeah. Uh, luckily, that it had all been plowed by that point. But the only thing they had was like a Jeep, like, Wrangler. Hey. So I'm in this big-ass Jeep Wrangler, <laughs> driving all over the damn Northeast for... Four days up there. That sounds awesome. Um, it was cool. It was. Yeah. It, I mean, it was a great experience just because that, that was a part of the country I'd never been to. And it yeah. Was snowy. and I mean, It was just like a... Cool. I mean, I saw... it's like a trip, man. Like an exploration yeah. trip. I saw like four of the six or five of the six New England states. Nice. On that trip. I've never been... I've been to Newark. Yeah. i flew
0: through Newark and I've flown through Providence. And I've been to Newfoundland. Yeah. And Canada. But I've never been anywhere else up there. And
1: so we get up to Meridian. And I'm about 20, 25 minutes early for this interview that I had scheduled. And I was like, listen, I'm going to go pop off. That's all like a country gas station store. Um, go back to why I knew this was just the middle of absolutely nowhere. Yeah. Um. This little store that... Sold like Diet Coke. So I was, I, I think I popped in for a coffee, like to get a cup of coffee to warm myself up because it was like 20 degrees outside. Yeah. Snow on the Yeah. yeah. Uh, and I park and I'm looking at this like, like shack shed thing next door to it. And it, it said no parking, but I get out. I, I didn't see the no parking sign before I got out. So I got out and I'm looking at it. And he goes, no parking, deer inside, like dead deer. They like they process deer behind oh. like, behind this country store. Okay. Deer inside, like dead you know, dead deer will attract bears. Oh. And so I was oh. like yeah. And so I got back in my car and moved it. Yeah. And by the time I'm walking back, I'm walking back past the shed, there's just blood in the snow. <laughs> and it's like they killed a deer like today. <laughs> so
0: it was and, a taxidermist.
1: Yeah. yeah. Or a process. Yeah. And so it was like you We know, actually I'm, have one of those in Chapin. Yeah. So it was just it was <laughs> wild. Not with the blood seeping yeah, in and the it, snow. Like, and also I saw the red snow, I'm like, yeah, we're we're gonna move my car. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> we're gonna move the Jeep. Yeah, um, but, so I do the interview talking about just how close those places are together. I do my interview, and I was like, listen, and during the interview, he said something about like, you know, well, I asked him afterwards, I was like, what do you, because he has a small daughter, the coach does, I was like, what do yeah. y'all do for fun around here? You know, mm-hmm. what Like, what do y'all do? And he's like, I mean, he was. it's really not that bad, you know? Yeah. It's like the way you probably came it looked like there was nothing around. I was like, correct. Um, and he goes, but if you go the other way, if you came from the other way, there's there's a big stretch of civilization, and, we're, <laughs> and he goes, and we're only about twenty minutes away from Dartmouth. Okay, yeah, I did these school, so yeah. And Dartmouth's in New Hampshire, so I was like, a couple. There was probably a couple hours left of daylight because um, it gets dark at like. 2.30 up there. In the yeah, border. it's weird. It's, it's so weird. It is, man. It's uh, odd. But, so I was like, you know what? I finished up my interview, and I was like, listen, I got nothing set in stone tonight. I might as well, you know. I am I want to go see an Ivy. what an Ivy League school looks like. Oh, yeah. For so sure. I, so I plug it in. I'm driving to Dartmouth just to walk around the campus. I ended up getting the sweater to make me seem smart. Yeah. Uh, my SEC education would... <laughs> <yeah. laughs> Uh, but I'm I know Dartmouth's in New Hampshire, yeah, and I'm on the highway, and it goes, Welcome to Vermont. Like, I don't know if I'm going the right way. (laughs) I literally, so to get from, I start, I started in Meridian, New Hampshire, (laughs) yeah, okay. I'm going to another city (laughs) in New Hampshire. To get to the city in New Hampshire, you, you have Vermont. to go to Vermont right, and come let, up. Let's
0: see this. Let's see. So, were you on the highway? Yeah. Okay, so you were on the interstate. Yeah. All right, so. Wow. So, you were probably on, uh like, Interstate 89, it looks that like. That seems right. And then you probably had to cut back up onto 91, maybe, at some point. Or just take 89 all the way up to... I don't
1: know, man. That's crazy. Yeah, let me see. I'm looking, because I have the name of the... Stop it. Um... Mont Pierre. That's the capital of
0: uh, Vermont. I yeah, know so. that from my capital song. Um, but I've always heard it's beautiful
1: up there, though, man. It's Honestly, it's so gorgeous. Like? It's, I mean, and especially with... Especially in New Hampshire it's, and Vermont with area. With the snow and, yeah. Uh, but I ended up... I'm looking at it, so there's... Six states in the New England. Yeah, states: Maine, Vermont, New Hampshire, Massachusetts, Rhode Island, and Connecticut. And I think the only one I didn't go to was Maine. Yeah, and that's Maine's kind of. But that's way up there. Yeah, that's the the most northern of the New England states. But I drove through Vermont. uh, Did some stuff in New Hampshire. Stayed in Massachusetts. Flew in and out of Rhode Island, um, uh, and then did some stuff in Connecticut, so. I've never been
0: to Connecticut, but I hear it is literally just highways and yeah, trees. Yeah, that's about it. That's crazy, like, and you don't realize how small those states are.
1: Like, oh, it takes you an hour and 15 minutes to get through Vermont.
0: Yeah, like, that's nothing, man. Yeah. Like, it's, it's crazy,
1: like. But, it, yeah, and, I mean, that whole week, that whole week for me was so, so much fun, mm-hmm. um. Outside of getting my flight canceled and having to deal with that, but, um, other than that, I mean, that was probably my favorite trip I've taken. Yeah, just, yeah. Because it's part of the country I've just, I've never seen. I want to go to the Pacific Northwest, too. That's the yeah. other place I haven't
0: been to. I've gotten to go to the Southwest. I've been to the Southeast. Um. I've been to some of the Midwest, but not a lot of it. Yeah. I got to go out to Denver, which
1: was really cool. I really enjoyed it out there. See, I've never been to Denver. It's it's
0: cool, man. It's, so, it's
1: a weird part of the country. Yeah. So that's the weird part about this job is that you travel a lot, but for the most part, it's to the same 13 cities over and over again because you're covering in SEC sports.
0: So I was going to ask you, is there a specific city that you prefer to go to or one that you just really do not like going to that you normally have to go to. In terms of SEC towns?
1: Any any uh, town that Carolina normally plays. It's to gonna sound homers but I really do not like going to Clemson. Yeah. Um and that's not because Clemson's some ratty old town. I I actually really enjoy the city of Clemson. Yeah. I've always uh, enjoyed it. Yeah, but it's just on football game days, it is such a pain in the butt. Yeah, to do anything to navigate it because there's one road in, and one road out. And some of the roads are closed down. Once you get to, once you get into yeah. Clemson and on and they campus, modified yeah, and so much over a short amount of time. And then it's the crazy, me, yeah. And the media parking is like a good probably three quarters of a mile away from the stadium, all uphill walking there. And so you're trying to if you miss the media shuttle, you're hoofing it up to yeah, you know, to the stadium. And by the time you get there, you're sweaty mm-hmm. and. Uh, the press you know the press box up there is open air so if it's if it's not too terribly cold, you're fine, but it backs right up to the student section, so you literally have like students trying to talk to you the entire game yeah sure. I once watched a couple break up in front of me oh like, that's it like, a awesome. game um. And it's not to do, like, I enjoy Clemson. The the atmosphere at the Clemson football games is not bad. Yeah, I it's like unique, it. you know. Yeah, um, it's not my favorite, but, I, you know, I don't hate it. It's not yeah. one of those things where I'm like, ugh. It's just the open-air press yeah. boxes. Yeah, or no I'm, from... I'm peculiar particular about all that. Um, yeah. As far as, like, a SEC oh, school? Oh, an SEC school that I I really enjoy going to Texas A&M. yeah. That's a fun one. Athens is always fun for Georgia. Uh that game's always yeah. just lit. And and the, <laughs> like I've never I haven't been to Auburn all that much. Tuscaloosa's not great, but they got good food. Uh Baton Rouge I've been to once and the food was phenomenal. The people were fun. I love LSU. For yeah. The short stint that I was there. And uh, I really enjoy going to Texas a And that's a fun place to go. Do a lot Baseball. Just whatever. Huh? Baseball and football are phenomenal out there. And the food's obviously Texas barbecue and Texas barbecue. tacos and yeah. Southwest. I mean, just awesome. Just whatever. Yeah, um, And so it, it's right. so close. To, they're, they're pretty close to Houston, aren't they? Yeah, I usually fly into
0: Houston. Yeah, right George 30, W. Bush yeah. Airport. Yep. I spent the night in George W. Bush Airport once. How did you do that? On the way to basic training. Oh, uh-huh. yeah. Yeah. Um, so, funny story about that. I was on the way to basic training And we, so, like, the Air Force kids flew out of Fort Jackson. Like, Mm -hmm. they took us to the airport. My parents were the only, I was the only kid whose parents, there was, like, six of us. And, of course, my parents were the only one that showed up to say goodbye to me. Yeah. So, I was, like, trying, like, I was trying not to be a jerk, but at the same time, I was, like, "Come on, I'm the only one here that's got parents here. I'm 20 years old, you know, I was trying to be Mr. Big Guy. But, yeah, so we got stuck by a, uh, by a blizzard uh, flying into San Antonio, and our connecting flight was through Houston. So our flight from Houston to San Antonio got canceled. And they were making accommodations for us because they knew that our flight had gotten canceled, but we just didn't know that yet, and it took them a little while to do it because I'm sure during a snowstorm, making accommodations for people. six yeah. people. And you got to get each of us our own individual rooms, too, Right. So like this this girl that was with us, her grandfather, I think. It was either grandfather or her dad was like a uh command sergeant major in the army. So like that's a up there rank, but it, like it's it's an enlisted rank. So like when you're in the military, you learn these like so a a high up officer is acts a little different than like a high up enlisted guy. Because I, I just don't know how to explain it. Like enlisted guys are more strict. They're yeah. always the one they're trying to enforce their will and the regulations. And I understand that stuff. But yeah. like, so this guy, he's a retired command sergeant major. He thinks he's still got a lot of pull in the game, even though he's retired. He calls up Lackland Air Force Base where every person that joins the Air Force has to go through basic training there. Yeah, And he proceeds to tell them how good of a job they're doing, they're not doing. I guess I should say. And I guess he must have said some pretty good stuff to whoever answered the phone because when we got there finally, you know, we assembled in this area in the USO at the San Antonio airport. And on Tuesdays, that part of the airport always gets busy because you always have all the Air Force kids that ship in that day all go to that USO and then they get picked up by like six buses. Right. So we get to the into the buses and you ride your 20 minutes and then this is where you're starting to question all your life decisions because you know what's about to happen the get off my bus moment whatever you know and we get there and the get off my bus moment doesn't happen (laughs) the guy gets on the bus and i'm sitting there and i'm like oh man this is here it is is. yep this is what i've been dreading just got to get through this time here and be done he gets on in a very casual tone. and He says, "I need the group that came here from Fort Jackson in Columbia, South Carolina, to get off the bus. Just just that group. Nobody else. Everybody else, keep your seats." And I was like, "Okay." Well, somebody must have died or something. But yeah. I mean, I had a cell phone with me, so I was like, "Somebody must have had an emergency or something." Yeah. So we get off, and they they put us in this room, and all of us. And I mean, we'd all been together for the past three days. And we sat there for, man, they they kept us in this room for like, it felt like an hour and a half. It was probably only like 15 minutes, yep. but it felt like eternity. And this guy comes in and it, another guy comes in and then a woman comes in and then like three more guys come You're in. Like, and literally it was like a room, maybe this big. So we it had like a couch and then like another sectional and then like a TV. It was like a reception area kind of. And so, like, it wasn't that big of a room, but like, it was like, I swear, man, it had to have been eight or nine of them. Like, cra- it was like they Friday were coming to see me. some doorframe. Yeah, and then, like, none of them said a word as they came in, and then all of them started yelling at us at once,
1: like <laughs> at the top of their tone, like, just
0: why the fuck were you thinking, uh,
1: like? And you had no say in. Nothing, Indian, yeah.
0: nothing. I, I didn't even know what had happened. I right. was sitting there just like, oh, like I didn't know what to do. Right. Like, and this guy, it was like, which one of you is Command Sergeant Major, uh, retired uh, granddaughter? And this poor girl, like, she- I feel so bad for this woman. I don't <laughs> yeah, <laughs> she, like- she's like, it was me. And they were like, the rest of y'all go out there and get in line. And so we go out there. And these kids are out there standing, shivering, like standing at attention for the first time. And then they started doing all the the game. I don't know what happened to that girl. I mean, she she made it through. Yeah, I was I was Facebook friends with her for a while, and I mean, she made it through basic. Basic, but man, that was a crazy. I bet the first
1: few days there were not fun. No, it, well,
0: yeah, and I mean, I was there, already expecting yeah. it not to be fun to begin with. But man, I tell you, all those movies you see of that first haircut, like. Done. That is the most uh, <laughs> deflating, I guess is a good word, yeah. feeling. Oh, man. You're just like, it, well, first off, it's it hurts because they're not
1: being gentle. No, if they're going to get it done with. Yeah. They're, they're trying to be efficient with their time. And
0: you're like, man, like, it, it, you basically you get up to the barber's chair and they're like, if you got a mole on your head, you better put a finger on it. Like, because I'm going to cut it off. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, dude, like, even the barbers are sitting there talking shit to you, and you're just like, "What did I do to all these people?" Like, <laughs> like
1: dude, I'm just here to get, like, yeah, weird. like,
0: I just, I just got, I knew that I was gonna get yelled at, but like, I got this, this little, you know, woman ti standing next to me telling me that I'm ugly. I was like, you know, like, this is hard. Like, I know, but thank you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like, I, you know, I just had a had a girl back home tell me I was beautiful. You know, yeah. like, I was just. It was just, it was like a mind. It's a lot. Yeah, it's just, I don't know, man. It was weird. But, yeah, that whole experience was weird. Like, you see people, like, talking in their sleep, like, crying in their sleep, like, like doing door guard. Like, we had this kid that would get up and clean in his sleep. We had this kid that would go up and try to do the entry control, we called it. Because whenever you were sleeping at night, like, you had to do somebody that would do the door guard. And that was like anybody that came up to the door, they would have to like show their ID, and you like, dude, these TIs would show like IDs that had been expired for like a day, yeah, and be like, you just let an expired ID come through and you killed everybody and all this right. stuff, and like, yeah, military's fun, man. Sounds it, yeah. Like, uh, I always wonder how Joe's experience compared to mine because he he went the officer track. Yeah. So, I've always kind of... I, you know, me and him kind of kept up on that, but... Yeah, so if there was anything that you could cover... I'm, I'm just going to switch gears again. Yeah. If, if if there's anything you could cover outside of sports, what do you think it would be?
1: The cop-out answer is politics.
0: Yeah. I mean...
1: The older you get, the more interested you get in it. Like, yeah. Um, I was really into it. I was younger, faded, and I was... I mean, obviously, with all this stuff going on... It's know? hard not to be yeah. into it. I mean, it's... You have, I mean, you have to be into it. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think, if not sports, I'd probably do higher education, cover education. Yeah. Um, just because I, my mom's a teacher. Uh, grew okay. Up, you know, being around education, so I think that that's something that I, I I mean, I'm interested in, and I think that that'd be a fun thing to cover. It's it's
0: kind of weird how like your parents' occupations growing up influence you in a weird
1: way. Because you're around it so much. Yeah, though. like,
0: you know, like, growing up, my dad was always involved with, I mean, he would, he worked for SCANA for, like, 50 years. It was, like, 40, literally. Yeah. But, like, he was always involved with, like, the fire service and stuff. And so, I I think that's kind of what led me to join the military, that and... Blunking out of Midlands Tech, honestly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, yeah, you know, like, I, I was just... all I've always been... Curious about just whatever. And that's kind of why I did this podcast, honestly. It's just to kind of, I always like to just talk to people. Yeah. <laughs> it's always fun to see kind of how, you know, somebody else's view is different from you based off of, and you know, like their background and right. stuff. I always found that interesting.
1: Yeah, I mean, my mom was always, like, she would take us around her school all the time when we were growing up. Like, um, so we were around her teaching so much. So if like because we were in different districts she taught in a different district than we grew up in um, going to school in so like if we had a day off from school um and she couldn't find someone to come babysit or something, we would go and hang out with her class um especially as we got older and we could start driving you know if we had a day off we'd bring her lunch or something so yeah, you were just around it so much that you know education was such a big part of. You know, our livelihoods growing up. That you know, it's something my brother and I both are at least attracted to in a way because we're around it so much. So, did she teach like younger kids or? Yeah, she was elementary school. Oh, okay. She Taught um, when I was born, she was te- in ninety five. She was teaching first grade. Okay. And then when my brother was born in ninety nine, she was teaching second. And then a couple years after that, she moved up to fourth. She must have taught fourth for probably a decade and a half, and oh, just wow. got moved up to fifth. Oh, right? wow. So she's been, elementary school, I mean, the only grade she hasn't taught is kindergarten and third. Wow.
0: Yeah. It's just,
1: she's, she's just all elementary school all the time.
0: Yeah, I, I can't, I can't blame her there. That's probably, if you're going to teach kids, that's probably about the best age to teach them to. See, I would be, I'd rather be a high school teacher. See, I always thought that too, and then like my sister, she she started substituting at a high school, and she she tells me she's like, man, I always thought that I could connect with these high school kids, and she's like, no, I just can't. But I mean, I
1: I would either go young or old. middle school yeah. is one. Oh, don't middle school is just to pass. Just kids are just. They're at that awkward point. And they're, they're fine. They're growing into themselves, and it's so puberty. <laughs> yeah, and just stuff. weird. Like, like yeah. just doing weird stuff, man. Yeah. Like, yeah.
0: I just, you know, I think about my 7th grade self, 8th oh, grade self, and okay, I was man. just such a weird yeah. kid back then. Because I was just trying to figure out what I was into. Yeah. Right? And what kind of person that I wanted to be. But,
1: oh, yeah, no thanks.
0: Yeah. um, So if there was anybody in history that you could interview, who would you want it to be? That's tough, man. Or if if you get it... See, for me, I couldn't limit it down to one person. I figure if you have the technology, then you could at least knock out a couple.
1: Yeah, I think.
0: I'd probably go back to, like, ancient Greece and interview really? one of those guys. Like, uh, Socrates, I yeah. think, would be a cool guy to interview. Mm-hmm. And just to see how much he truly knew.
1: Right. And right. be like, are how you as much- smart as you think you are, or are you right. just BSing me? Right. Goodness, I don't know. Um, Jim Thorpe would be a good one, too. Yeah. Trying to delve out of sports here. I think Hearst, William Hearst, the newspaper publisher Uh, that lived in California think so. He Garrison? Big, William Garrison? No, I, maybe. Um, I know, I think I know who you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, but he was a big yellow journalism.
0: Yeah, William about. Garrison Hurst. Or William, no, hold on. Garrison. No, Garrison Hurst was a running back. Uh, What's that guy's name? It might just be William Hurst. I think yeah. you're right. I don't know where I'm getting Garrison. Probably from Garrison Hurst. Yeah. yeah. William Randolph Hearst. There you go. That would be kind of fun.
1: Yeah, I think so too. Uh, Just my journalism nerd self um, would be fun just to talk about what it was like then and telling them how it is now and discussing it. Yeah, that would be a good one. Yeah.
0: I would also ask him about, you know, he was really big against uh, marijuana. Yeah. And they also blame him for a lot of the wild pigs across California. Really? Yeah, apparently he brought this. He looks kind of crazy too. Look
1: well, at he this. was big. He looks wild, man. Yeah, he's a crazy person. Yeah. He also like helped facilitate the Spanish American War. Yeah. Which was kind of wild. I guess journalism, like back then, man, like. You controlled the narrative. Yeah,
0: like. All of it, yeah. I mean, it's crazy. And I guess Citizen Kane's based on him too, Yeah. which is a really weird movie. I like it. It's a really good, great old
1: movie. I mean,. But, like... It's a weird... Um, but he's fascinating human being. Yeah. Yeah, Absolutely exactly. Human being.
0: Yeah, man. Like, he's just one of those guys. But, um... Going back to social media real quick, how, how do you think that it will evolve journalism in the future?
1: Oof.
0: That's a tough one. <laughs> I didn't realize how hard that question was. That's very open-ended.
1: Yeah, I don't know. I mean, you asked me how... Social media has evolved in the last five years. I mean, it's been insane. Since it is. Since even graduated. Um, so I don't know what it's going to look like. I think, I mean, I use social media a lot yeah. for my job, and I think it's only going to continue just because that's where people go for their information. I mean, you talk to these high school and college classes now, they're all getting their news from social me- I mean, Twitter and Instagram and yeah. Know, t- even TikTok. Yeah, TikTok's you know? like, insane. Yeah.
0: Like, my wife uses TikTok and it's like, it's amazing how, like, quickly people became influencers on TikTok. Making like, millions. And man. making like, so much money, man. Like, it's it's crazy. And then they were talking about banning it and it's just, it's yeah. like, you know, like, I just,
1: it's it seems like there's a new one every year. Yeah, and you have to adapt and, um, figure out how to report because it's not just you know now everyone checks your website at nine in the morning they read all the news there is for the day and then they'll hit X and come back at nine in the morning tomorrow it's not like that anymore yeah um, you gotta figure out how to get people to engage you have to figure out how to get people to engage and the more personable you are on social media whether it's you know the brand or how personal you are on, on YouTube YouTube's huge now, yeah more so than it's ever been and um, the more public you are on those forums, um, the more people feel like they want to go to your website. And that's that's a huge part of our job is outreach on social media to make people want to not only read our stuff, but feel connected to us enough to subscribe and give us money to continue to do this and help pay our bills and yeah. So does Gangkok Central are they gonna have a TikTok in the near future? If I have any <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It's a good question. I don't even know if we have one now. I, I was I'm checking it. <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> I don't I was, I was I was curious. I was like I, it, just right after I started talking about TikTok, I was like, I wonder if they have one. We have a TikTok. Do y'all? Okay.
1: We haven't used it in a while. But we have a TikTok. An experimental TikTok. Yes, we have a TikTok.
0: Um If you could give yourself some advice as to young Colin what would you give young Colin?
1: What advice would you give young Colin? Don't get married. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <Keep> <laughs> yeah. Giving, um, Not a good one to yeah, start no, off. I the love same. my wife. Um, I want to Slow down. Probably. I mean, because I was so tunnel visioned um, when school and, and you knew me in, in college. Yeah. So it was very tunnel visioned to getting out, getting a job and being done that I, I feel like I might have missed some stuff, you know, just because I was so focused on my job. Um, cause I interned in college and treated it like a full-time job when I was in school. And, um, probably other than that, you know, focus on building relationships early with coaches. It's so hard midstream to, yeah, when you have guys on the beat that have been doing it for so long, um, that have these relationships already with coaches. Um, Excuse me. Oh, yeah. uh, to really jump in and start early building relationships because um, that's not something I was so petrified early that I was going to mess up and, and make someone mad at me uh, but I feel like I missed out on building some of those early relationships. Yeah. So those are the two big ones I think yeah. I would say. That's not too bad. One's right there.
0: Yeah, I, I agree with the, the you know, the building relationship thing has got to be
1: so critical. for It's, and it, it's different with each person. That, you know, some people will build a relationship with you, others you have to work at and initiate, where others sometimes you don't. So, um, it's a little different with with each person. And it takes knowing people and understanding people to figure it out. Yeah. Has there ever been a guy,
0: like, not a guy, but a person that's made you uh, feel, like, anxious before an interview? Or have you ever been like gotten
1: like nervous about interviewing or so I'll say this. There there's been a few times where I'm not nervous or anxious, but it's like I have to take a deep breath because I'm like, holy cow, I'm I mean, you know, I'm interviewing X. Um when I was a senior in high school, we got t- press credentials for a South Carolina basketball game early in Frank Martin's tenure. For, I, I didn't ask him a question, but just being in a press conference with Frank Martin was insanely terrifying. Yeah. I can see that. Um, just cause of his reputation. And when you meet Frank, it's so different. Yeah. Um, but I mean, when I was, I did this big piece a couple years ago. Um, it was an oral history of the 2010, 2011, and 2012 South Carolina baseball teams. Yeah, those were some good... good... Yeah, oh, it was so much fun. Yeah. yeah. It's the most fun I've had writing a story. Uh, just because of the people, the stories you hear. and Yeah. Uh, that team was just so, like... Well, yeah, and, and so much fun with different people. And, I mean, the the weirdest ones are, like, you sit there and you I'm leaving the baseball facility after doing another interview with somebody, um, where I, I did the interview and, and whatever, and I answered my phone. It's a Wilmington North, or a 335 or whatever, uh, Winston-Salem area code. And I was like, hello? And he goes, hey, Colin, this is what Merrifield. You're like, whoa. And I, I had requested to interview him and, and put out the feeler and was expecting a call, but to... For, the, for someone to call me and be like, hey, this is Whit Merrifield, it yeah. was so cool to me. Um, just because I hadn't talked... You know, there's sometimes where you have to pinch yourself when you know stuff like that happens. And so it's like... Yeah, you got like a Major League All-Star call. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's yeah. like, oh, that's that's cool. Um, that's the stuff that doesn't happen in every day-to-day job. So, Yeah, um, you just kind of answer the phone and you're just yeah. uh what'd you say? Yeah, um, so... Frank Beamer was another one. So when Shane Beamer got the job, Frank Beamer did an availability and yeah. Um, my mom's from Virginia. Okay. Uh, my aunt, great aunt, is from Virginia. My mom's side of the family is from Virginia, and they grew up big Virginia Tech football fans. So, uh, getting to talk to Frank Beamer made me a little anxious. Asking him a question. Yeah. Um, and him calling me by my name. Yeah. Which is like you know. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, like, like that was anxious and, and cool for me just in you know, because Frank just, Beaver's a legend. Yeah. Like, yeah. So, yeah. It's just like such a storied name in college yeah. football. So but, I mean, anxious once you get into this business and you're and you start doing interviews consistently and you start to get the feel for how to do it, you don't really get anxious anymore.
0: Yeah. You um, just kinda
1: direct the conversation. Yeah, like, and, when, and every you Start to
0: see people as people, it's yeah. Not
1: like you know, oh, that's, that's Frank Martin, South Carolina's head football, you know, head basketball coach. It's it's that's Frank, that's a guy that I, my, my job is to cover, my job is to ask questions to. And if I'm getting starstruck every time I'm talking to someone that's you know, Frank Martin or Whit Merrifield, then I'm not doing my job well, yeah. So, you have to put a lot you. of those personal stuffs, those personal moments aside yeah just have it real quick and get it out of yeah because frank's so intimidating when you see him on the sidelines until you get to meet him and know him it's different and um then you know with 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 wit it was just so cool because obviously major league all-star and um trying to think of any others that were just like christian walker for that story was so cool and yeah uh he was one that was just such a freakly, freakishly good hitter, man. Like, yeah, and and it, it's just cool to. I mean, these people are so revered at South Carolina that it's so cool to get to talk to them and have them just uh, you know BS, yeah, and, and, and just, just tell stories about that that run. And at the same
0: time, too, I I, I imagine that they're like really excited to talk about it because oh yeah, it's got to be the, one of the highlights. They love of talking lives, about you know? that stuff. Yeah. um... That's, they love, that's crazy. yeah. They love talking about that stuff. So, so what are you most excited about in twenty twenty one? Buying a house. Buying a house, yeah, yeah that's um, pretty
1: exciting. No, that and uh, I'm excited to be done with this damn pandemic. Yeah, hopefully, yeah. This year. That's that's what I'm hoping too, man. All so, right. that's what I'm excited. And hopefully, we get some good basketball, get some good baseball, and I get to write about fun things. Yeah, instead of covering a football team that's obviously going through struggles. Yeah, and.
0: COVID and testing and, and
1: coaching. Yeah. It, you know, it was
0: crazy. Uh, the week that the pandemic really went like nuts. The week that uh, Rudy Gobert, I guess, did his thing. We, it was the week of the NCAA tournament that week. And yeah. The SEC tournament was starting. Yeah, it was starting. Was in Nashville. For yeah. It was in Nashville. And me and my friends had scheduled this, uh, Weekend at the beach for that following week for the NCAA tournament. We were going to go down there. We had all of our brackets ready, yeah. finally gotten everybody's schedules to align for like, you know, just a good trip. And we were all so excited about it. And then
1: COVID happened and it was like, yeah. man. And I mean, that's nothing compared to what some people have lost. I'm, yeah. You yeah. know, that whole situation was weird. I was up in Nashville for the SEC tournament. So we, my, We were not married at the time, but my now wife, my roommate at the time and his girlfriend, went to a concert on Tuesday night. I get in the car first thing Wednesday, drive up to Nashville. By the time I get out of the car, things are already starting to teeter a little bit. Yeah. And by that night, the NBA had canceled. I mean, just all of it was just going haywire. And then Thursday morning was just... When everything exploded, yeah, they and just, everything went. Wrong.
0: Everybody started locking up, pretty much. You know, yeah, it was it insane. was weird. Yeah, it's 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 been a weird year now. Yeah, yeah. 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 I mean, it's just been uh, it's been nonstop, man. And then like it got to be where it was. It almost became like a competition to see who could cancel what the quickest out the gate. Because I remember it was like two days later, I feel like. Maybe a week later. It might have been a week or two weeks. But it felt like it was two days later. Um, the NCAA canceled the College World Series and yeah. called off the rest of the college baseball season. That was
1: quick. That was like the day after. The yeah, day it, it was like they,
0: they just I mean, canceled all the spring sports. And I... I knew that football was. I had a sneaky suspicion that football was probably going to be
1: played. Yeah, well, makes too much money. It's to,
0: too. it's too important to the bottom line. But and I knew that I was I was kind of happy with the way the SEC handled it. Honestly, I, I think out of all the out of all the conferences, honestly, I think the SEC probably yeah, handled the pandemic the best. Um, but I, yeah, nobody was beating Alabama this year. So, <laughs> <No>. <laughs> but yeah. Uh, so, last question I have for you oh. is a good one. What is the craziest thing that you have seen while covering a sporting event? Like, craziest, any? it could be off the field, just the wildest thing you've seen
1: unfold. Craziest in-game thing was Jermaine Cousnard hitting him buzzer beater. Oh, that Kentucky. was wild. That yeah. was um, nuts. It was awesome. I mean, it was cool. One of the coolest shots I've ever seen. Um, for obvious reasons, uh, just the, the magnitude of it. Uh, the wildest thing, at an AAU basketball tournament, I saw two adults fight. Like a, like it went to blows? Yes. Like, like oh. one dude was swinging on the other, as the other guy was trying to like, get away from trying not to fight him. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, it was, that was, like, the wildest thing I've ever seen. What was it? What were they fighting? We don't about? know. I just think they got into an argument after a game, and one dude took it a little too seriously and, like, almost fought fought him. Yeah like, yeah, like, made a scene. Yeah. Oh. Wow. And so this they, was in Columbia? This was Rock Hill. They had, like had to, cancel, they had like, cancel the event
0: after that. Wow. Like a day later, yeah. Do you think that the guy
1: went to jail? I don't know. <laughs> I
0: honestly, don't care. Yeah. I, mean, yeah, I was like, I
1: left soon after. I was like, I'm not dealing with it. Yeah, I don't, I don't blame you there. That's, that's
0: man, that's so crazy that yeah, adults act like that. Adults, yeah, it's grown people. You know, I I knew these guys that covered a certain high school team for a while that I encountered in a press box one night, and. They were doing a live broadcast at this high school, and I won't say who the two high schools were, because this would make it obvious, but it was like, you know, these guys were bashing the school that they were at, even though it was in the same school district and same region as the school, bashing their fans, bashing their play-by-play guys, and I'm like, you're out here covering teenage kids playing a game.
1: Barely teenage kids. Yeah, (laughs) barely.
0: like, Like... you know these guys were in their like their forties, and it's like,
1: dude,
0: yeah. Like I'm not, I wasn't trying to judge. I, I just like, had to tell on. them, like, man, you know, you guys are really like, you don't just go somewhere and just bash somebody's Roll stuff. Yeah. yeah, like it's, it doesn't. And it, it, these two schools weren't even like rivals either. Yeah. But yeah, these these guys, man. And then they they talked about how good they were as football players, and they went to school with my older siblings. And uh, neither of them really played ever. So it was kind of weird. But yeah, yeah, weird situation. It's weird how adults ha- act while watching children compete. Not children, but teenagers. Or, you know, young adults. That's a better word. Young adults compete in a competitive setting. Like how weird they get yeah. sometimes. like Because they live vicariously
1: through it. Yeah. So it's, emotionally it's just, through it. Yeah, it's really weird.
0: But yeah. But I appreciate you taking time and uh, coming to talk to yeah. me, man. Anytime
1: you want to sit down and chat, I'm there. All right, bud. Well,
0: yeah, we will definitely do this again. Um, got to get the we the we one man team. We got to get the the um, third cool. angle, and but and um, get his uh, take on things. But yeah, uh, I was
1: bummed he couldn't make it down for the wedding. Yeah, you know it, the middle, uh, No, I completely. Yeah, especially during the pandemic, when I mean, we had a bunch of people that couldn't make it. But like, um. I was hoping he could. Yeah. I was holding out hope. Yeah. Oh, that's all right. We'll and get J- him down uh, here. Joseph Crevier. <laughs> Joseph Crevice. <laughs> but I'm Yeah. <laughs>
0: Special shout out again to Colin for sitting down and talking with me for a little bit. Um, so, that is the first episode of the Curious Mind of Griff podcast. Uh, let us know what you think. Like I said, we're right now we're on Twitter. Um, you can find us at Mind of Griff. And um, you can also reach us by email. And it's the show title, The Curious Mind of Griff, at gmail.com. Uh, should be having some more episodes come up soon. Thanks again, y'all.